You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, Episode 6, Legacy Number 506. And I'm here with my man, Matt, to start things off. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we're going to start with The Incredible Hulk, The Incredible Hulk Number 5, a book that a lot of people are enjoying. A lot of people keep telling me it's the one book that they think is the best book going right now at Marvel. It's kind of one of those things that you kind of would like to say, well, maybe something longer going would be the best one. But I think that this might be maybe the best one at the moment with some books. You know, there's some things coming out that are getting a little bit better, but we didn't have the Marvel podcast for a while because I kept finding a lot of things kind of boring. Mm -hmm. This week's not bad. You still have, you know, some issues, but me and you talking this for the first time on the podcast, pretty cool. We we were wondering if we had talked about it before, but we realized that the last issue came out like that week that we started up. Yeah. So we missed it. And a couple of people did ask if we were going to be covering this book. And here we are. Here it is. The Incredible Hulk number five. Mm-hmm. Riddle of the Man Thing Part Two. Philip Kennedy Johnson writing travel foreman uh, guest art. I'm kind of looking forward to Nick Klein getting back because his art was really, really good. But I like the art. In this. I'm trying to figure out if Travel was on the last issue or not. I can't yeah, I think remember. he was. But this okay. one, I think, is better. I think yeah. this one looks a lot better. Uh, maybe kind of eased into it a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he fits that horror tone uh, in this. There's some one scene that was extra horrific that we'll get to. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and that's something when we get to it. It's the wow moment of the <laughs> week. And something that I sat there and thought. Did we ever see it as horrific as this? Oh. I don't think we have. It's crazy, but we'll get to that. That's definitely the talking point. Matthew Wilson on Colors DC's Travis Lanham on Letters. And we are in the nexus of all realities. You end up having Man-Thing pull Hulk in, Bruce Banner and Hulk, into this to kind of have a little bit of a, a thinking, talking time. In the meantime, though, Charlie, the girl that's been hanging out and going along with Bruce, is in there as well. and the nexus in the swamp deal it ends up having the swamp siren that is trying to dupe both charlie and hulk in this whole play that again it it seems kind of confusing as we jump into this fifth issue to have Mm -hmm. to explain some things but there is the big bad the eldest behind all this that is controlling bringing out all the monsters in the marvel universe to go and get the hulk but we actually see by the end of this issue that there is a deal that could be made and it's a weird deal like the idea that the eldest says and we'll get to it obviously but just really quickly you just give me hulk and then hey bruce you could be yourself and that would be something that bruce has been trying to get for since day one right he wants to get rid but do you hand over the hulk to something that you know is that bad so you're going to have that back and forth and that little bit of a a twisty turn now there is another twist to it when we get to it but like we said the art very horrific Mm -hmm. you end up where well poor poor charlie's just getting whipped around and getting Mm -hmm. pretty much mind screwed this whole time by this slump siren who actually ends up having like the personification of charlie's younger brother earl who just shows up, he is dead, Charlie yeah. is very sad, oh my god, I don't want you, and it's so bad by the end of this that she actually gets to see her little brother die again. It's bad. Yeah. Even though she knows this isn't real, but you're still seeing it, and it does have some feels, but in my mind, all this would be doing for me, if I'm Bruce Banner slash Hulk, is getting pissed off. I mean, yeah, at the end you get a deal, but I'd be like, you're just making me more and more mad. To just go and destroy you But as that's going on As I said Man-Thing And even through the whole deal with Ted Salas Who is a Man-Thing kind of You know together almost showing you that You know almost like a Hulk Bruce Banner deal Which I thought was kind of cool Where he's saying we need your help You know the Nexus is in trouble right here Right now we have to get rid of the siren Hulk wants no parts of it He says why don't you do this But again once you start messing around With Charlie and things like that he does get upset, but yeah, you, you're still going with this idea that the eldest is doing all this. It's going to come for you. We're all in trouble. We need your help. We have to, you know, kind of team up when we can. And Hulk just is like, "I've had enough of you." Rips apart Ted, <laughs> just like rips him apart, yeah. throws him down again. This is in the nexus of realities. It's not 
quite happening, but still horrific to see. Oh, yeah. So you have all this going on. And as you do end up having the Hulk then go to find Charlie, sees what this swamp siren's doing and ends up just completely attacking. And, And at this point in the book, I thought, well, this is fine, but it's really just monster of the month. Let's fight. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I get it. You know, cool fight. You get some horrific images. And at that point, it is funny because poor Charlie's like, oh my God, Earl, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have let you die. And oh my God. And Hulk just runs in and starts ripping things apart, including that little puppet version of, of Earl. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, what are you doing? Uh, but by the end of that, he ends up seeing, like, oh, like, there's Charlie, and she's upset. And even there where Man-Thing kind of disappears into the water as yeah. well. So they're there by themselves then. And really what happened here, it's funny because through that thing, Ted is saying, you got to help us. You got to destroy this creature. He's like, no, I'm not going to help you. You do it yourself. You do it yourself. And then goes off and takes care of it. And it's kind of funny. The Man-Thing's like, all right, you did it now. Off we go. And yeah, Hulk says, leave us alone. Charlie's crying, but Hulk doesn't want to... You know, be the Hulk that Bruce Banner needs yeah, to be Yeah, he needs there. Bruce Banner to, to talk yeah, to Yeah, Bruce so. <laughs> Banner needs to be a little more sensitive. So while you had the, the horrific scene of Charlie crying over the again dead body kind of monster version, made up monster version deal of her brother. In half. <laughs> yeah, it's just destroyed. And then we get, and this is again, when I'm reading it, I see this, I'm like, we see it this because we see Hulk turn back into Bruce in a way that makes sense. I mean, it, it's not like the idea that I say, "Oh, this is all," you know, I, this doesn't make sense or whatever. Because he does transform from Skinny Bruce to Big Hulk, Big Hulk to Skinny Bruce, and this makes it in that way that you can tell it must hurt. That's the, one of the things that I like about this is now we get that idea that turning from Bruce to Hulk, Hulk to Bruce. It's not like easy peasy just happens. Like you snap your finger and no. it happens. He starts crunching bones. Spitting blood. His eyes are bulging out. His teeth. You just hope that at any point, this isn't the setup to get half Hulk, half Bruce. Because I'm telling you, that is what we get on the bottom part of the page on the left side. Oh. Where it's just awful. It's all. It's like giant muscle frogman. With middle that's crunched but still does his leg day. So I do appreciate <laughs> well, that. But <laughs> we've seen some pretty bad transitions in uh, Immortal Hulk, I remember. They were pretty horrific. That was the first time I think they ever did anything with like the transformation. And then they but we've also seen, I think, where like Bruce rips out of like Hulk's body or vice versa kind of thing. And I'm not a big, you know, I haven't read every Hulk issue, obviously. I'm not a huge Hulk well, fan. Well, the old but old issues just never dealt with. I think Immortal would have been the first time. Classic would be there's Hulk fighting, something happens, and then he wakes up as Bruce. You know, yeah. you're in the big destruction. His pants are ripped. That's really all that ever happened. You know, he's like, man, they're running out of purple pants down <laughs> at the Walmart. But he's like laying in the thing. Oh, man, what happened? This is terrific. It's, it's, it's worth horrific. it just to see these, this, these panels right here. But it, again, I like this idea that it shows you that it takes some effort. It takes some out of him. When he could, like, he is still at a point he's where I thought he had breath. transformed all the way. Yeah, all of a sudden now he's Gollum. Then he's <laughs> like there, and he's like, oh my God, gasping for breath. And then look, so it gives you that play of, man, this takes a lot of effort. Must be a real pain in the butt, right? I wouldn't want yeah. to have this happen all the time. And then he ends up where he looks up, and he's doing this again to maybe comfort Charlie. But when he looks up, Betty, Betty Ross is there. Mm-hmm. And so with all of this going on, the weird play is you're assuming, and it looked like it, man, thing thought it was, that the swamp's dead. Like, how is this another manipulation, which Charlie thinks it is, and ends up trying to attack. But then they went, no, nope, this, this is actually Betty. And it threw me off at first because of the idea but it makes sense because the eldest has been gathering up and you know kind of like inspiring i don't know how you'd say it but kind of getting all the monsters to get all fired up and and you know go after hook and then betty says as the red harpy then because when charlie throws it at her says no it's me mm-hmm. and i've come to offer you a deal that she is actually working with the eldest i think in, in the way that betty here is and the way with red harpy i do think that she's doing this 
like with Bruce's best intentions, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. feel like she, she's not there. I don't think this is quite a dupe, but it's, hey, she, eldest once Hulk. Bruce says, well, you know, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm fused with Hulk goes in. No, no, no. The, the eldest, she's like the first of the monsters and she has powers. She can separate you. She could just get Hulk. You give her the Hulk deal. And then me and you become just our sexy and selves. Betty and says, yeah. sexy selves. We'll be young again. We can be together. It's everything you always wanted. Now, we know these things, especially have monkey paws. But really, to oh, me, yeah. the, the monkey paw just is you're trying to go and face or run or whatever from the eldest who is just bad. I mean, just seems really, really bad. You don't really know. Like, it's not like the eldest seems to have a good plan. So you give the Hulk to, I, I just think in my mind if I'm Bruce Who isn't, you know, way, he's way smarter than me He's not a dummy Would think, well, how long is that going to last If I give the Hulk to the eldest mm-hmm. Like, the, the world's done Like, what is the plan And yeah, she says, you know, think of that uh, Because you could get and It is, it's, it's a neat play And I like two things in this end deal Because Betty also says The Hulk's taking over you know this. The Hulk is going to be Bruce Banner is going to be done. You're going to be you're going to be taken over, and it's just going to be the the Hulk. So, you know, you should do this. But also, again, you get that whole you know wish of that's what Bruce always wanted. Not only just the idea of I want to get rid of the Hulk. You know, he's always trying to do his little experiments yeah. and try to get rid of it. But also the idea of getting rid of the Hulk, having Betty back as their young sexy selves. Like it, it's a lot, and. It's and right after we just see how horrific it is to go back and forth from Hulk Bruce Banner. I think it does hit in a way that I thought at first kind of like mm, he's not going to go for that. Almost it just as an aside, almost reminds me a bit of the deal that they think Batman might take over in the Gotham War right now at DC Comics. If you're mm-hmm. reading that, like you end up setting up a premise that Batman would never go for. I don't really think that Bruce would. Go with this because of what it could mean. Yeah, I don't think he will. The Hulk. But you do have that play that if if the Hulk is taking over, it could be a last ditch effort. You could even get a play. I don't think it will happen. But if you did get a play, like Bruce would be like, "Listen, I'll do this, but um, I have a plan of my own to kind of dupe it late, whatever it would be." But it is what he always wished for, just in a weird, wacky way. And then Betty flies off. I- I'd love it, like. If I'm going to be the one setting up this deal, and if Betty really just says, like, and I think that you might get to a play where Betty thinks that Bruce is being selfish. This is what you always wanted, and it also helps me, but you don't care. I think I would have come to Bruce and stayed in my sexy self, right? Yeah, not the harpy. I know the play might be, look, you can help me, and I won't be this anymore, whatever. But I think I would have stayed sexy self. Yeah, she can transform to regular Betty, yeah, too. Yeah, I think I would have been sexy self the whole yep. deal. All right? Uh, it'd be funny, like, at that moment, all of a sudden we see her horrific transformation. <laughs> it's almost like a human version of a Transformer done wrong is what it's doing. <laughs> like, stuff's going places it shouldn't be. I mean, I would I would think they should show that. That would be cool to see how she transforms. Just imagine she transforms and he's like, yeah, I cannot see that. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Bye-bye, Betty. Deal breaker. But yeah, she just leaves and says she's offering you a chance to undo all the awful things you've done to us and then says take it and then flies away again flies away not sexy walk away flies away i'm like all right whatever yeah uh it just feels weird when you have the harpy saying that to you i think that tends to give it a little more ominous evil you know tone than maybe the sexy betty self who would say come on we could be this and let's go i think it's misplay on her part but Whatever, it's still, she wants her deal. That's what she wants. She wants Bruce to do it. But I, I think that it's pretty obvious that it's something you shouldn't do. But we'll see how it works out. But it does actually, at this point, give the book kind of a new or at least a, a good mission statement going forward mm-hmm. to something that I, I ended up liking the first four issues. But it was getting to a point where I was like, okay, well, what is this getting at? What are we doing? I thought at the beginning it was a little too immortal. And you still, like you said, you still have a little bit of that tone, obviously. But when you get to this, I think that it sets its own way and gets going. And I, I hope that it actually, going forward, actually works out even better. And I think it might. So I, I really liked it. What about you? Yeah, no, I liked it. I'd probably give this one a 7.5. Yeah, I think I'm an 8. 
Yeah. I might even be I, at one point I was like eight five, but then when I read, it's just so quick. It's too short, and there's a backup which we're not discussing. Yeah, we're but. not going to talk about the Vita Ayala backup. That's not why we're here, and I don't really like Vita Ayala that much, so I don't want to end up ruining my good feelings yeah, for, for the yeah. book. We're here for the Hulk, and I can't wait for Nick Klein to come back on art too. But I thought Travel Foreman did a good job. Yeah, I think he did too. Um, especially with the horrific stuff, and then there's even like a, a Jonathan Hickman style data page at the end, not data, but information dump that I didn't read. I just Man, now see it's it, crazy, but. and uh. It's funny too. Did did you read the backup? No. Yeah, I I read it. I'm not not a big fan. <laughs> not a big fan of there. Once uh, you said but, we're not talking about it, I didn't even bother. Yeah, I ended up reading it uh, earlier in the week. I'm like, yeah, that's not very cool. But uh, you also have like next issue, and that cover looks pretty darn. Cool yeah, this well. cover is so, awesome too. Oh Nick yeah, Klein. that's the co- covers are really awesome. I can't wait for Nick Klein to come back. But this book is pretty cool. I mean, it is a fun read. It ends up having some things going on that do a lot of people love the Mortal Hulk. So you touch on that a little bit, Philip Kenny Johnson, gradually making it more and more his own story, mm-hmm. which I think is a good play. Yeah, he's doing but, a good job. Yeah, so I am down with that. But with that, we'll move on to the next book, which is going to be me and Gray actually talking about two books. We're going to be talking about Daredevil and Ghost Rider. And I'm here with my man, Gray. What up, Gray? Hey, how's it going there, Jim? Awesome. We have two books that me and you are going to talk about, and we're going to get right into it, starting with Daredevil. Daredevil number two, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Aaron Cooter, colors by Jesus Urbatov, and letters by VCs Clayton Culls. And there was a bit of controversy in the first issue, a demon that showed up that might be anti-Semitic. I didn't see it that way myself. This issue, it doesn't have any of that. If people ended up reading that first issue or hearing about it and jumping into this thinking, oh my God, I want to see how crazy it is, or I want to see this, what they're talking about. You don't really get much of that at all in this issue because you don't get a lot of stuff happening in this issue with demons or anything. Pretty much it's Matt facing the police and then helping one of the kids at this home with a bullying issue. It's fine. You actually told me before we started recording that you might like it a little more than me. I didn't hate it. It's just the idea where it feels almost like a cool down or a filler issue, and it's only the second issue of the series. So that throws me off a bit. But it looks like Saladin Ahmed is taking like a slow burn approach to explaining how and why Matt came back from the end of Kipstarsky's run and to set up what would be a new book status quo and things going forward, right? Yeah. Um, I think I did like it a little bit more than you from what we were saying, Jim, but I get what you're saying. It does feel like almost like a, a pause issue, doesn't it? It's like taking its time, a breathing issue, but I like the character work and I did appreciate Kuda's art more in this one, especially the, the kind of fight scene with the gangs. I like the art there. That's well yeah, done. Yeah, I like the art. There's only one thing I didn't like about the art, and it was a weird play. It's the very end with Ben Urich that I don't know why. Like, as I look at it, he has that big head syndrome that you get with, you know, John Romita Jr. a lot of times. He looks a bit weird, doesn't he? Yeah. Kind of threw me off there, but the art overall is pretty good. And pretty much what this is setting up is that somebody, and then revealed as Ben Urich at the end, is trying to kind of like out Matt, maybe. Because Matt came back, it's a weird play. Matt is a priest, right? He has this play of Father Matt. But I wonder what people don't know or do know. He came back and he's running this, you know, shelter. He's running this home for wayward youth through the church. And so what did he tell them? Where's his background? How does he do this? This is something we talked about in the first issue. It's just a weird play. I guess you have to just go with this mysterious father, Matt. The police show up, and they're kind of jerks. At first, they're not. It's a weird play. They just want to know, hey, we heard these rumors. But the rumors are from, like, an online post. It felt weird. It's weird yeah, that they show up. Here. How seriously do police take those kind of rumors? Do you think that's Saladin Arm having a bit of a dig at, you know, the social media it and all that? Be. It might be because it's. I know I understand of coming and checking, hey, we we heard this, we have to come by and whatever, but they're demanding to come in, Matt's saying to go get a warrant again. Maybe Saladin Ahmed is funny because it's so surface level, but it might be the idea that Saladin Ahmed is trying to show the past law stuff, like, you know, the lawyer deal, like, hey, you need a warrant to come in, but everybody knows that. Like, that's nothing that's crazy, and these kids are watching, and they're yelling, and everything's going on, but 
when the police leave, then Matt has to blow off some steam and he gets on the daredevil costume and goes out. And then we have gang war downtown. I mean, downtown, everybody's just shooting guns everywhere. There's a standoff with police. There's a new gang in town. All these things going down for Matt then to just go and, you know, kind of knock some heads. He doesn't really, you know, go and look into this as much as just these guys are shooting guns. I'm going to knock some heads. Again, though, it didn't feel like that crazy big or important. You end up having just this little thing going down. And then he runs away. The the big play in this is that, you know, people are still remembering that Daredevil killed somebody. You went to jail. I like that as well, Jim. I appreciate that continuity that at least, you know, Saladin's mentioning that. But um, what's going to say, what did you think about it here? He's like, before he even got to the gang war, he's like, I feel like I need to go and hit somebody. That was quite a strange side of, uh, you know, Matt and Daredevil <laughs> to go from a priest to this, like, and even he said, like last issue, had that play as well, that idea of, I really want to beat people up, but I, yeah. I know I shouldn't, but I'm ashamed that I still have that inside me, and I, I get that feeling and whatnot. And it keeps going back and forth. We'll see how that yeah. plays out and, and what goes he's on. He's kind of reminding that. people he's still there, isn't he? But they were surprised, like, hey, wait a minute. I thought, you know, I thought uh, Daredevil was a woman now. No, it was a dude. That's what I really, I thought there was going to be more of that. I actually yeah. thought there'd be like like a funny deal of like, hey, you're a little, you know, smaller in the chest lately there, Daredevil. But they go with the idea of, hey, you're a wanted guy. You killed a dude. You were in jail. Again, that's just in my mind, Salamina Med setting up because again, yeah, Chip Zdarsky's stuff obviously did happen, but when you end up sacrificing yourself, dying in hell, and then coming back here, who knows what's reset? Who knows right. what the deal is? Especially when Matt just comes back and is mysteriously a priest. So I, I do appreciate, like you said, that Saladin Ahmed through this is setting up that, yes, this is still going on, and people still recognize Daredevil as somebody who killed somebody and went to jail for it. So, okay, we're, we're setting up the groundwork again, rebuilding up of what we had. But then he goes back and there's a bullying problem with one of the kids, Danilo, at this, you know, youthful hostel. I, I don't know what I keep wanting to call it all these different things, but this wayward youth home that they're running. And people are like, man, your parents are dead because of you. It's online bullying. It's all this stuff going on. And the one kid is worried about this Danilo and says, you know, Father Matt, can you go talk to Danilo and he goes and talks to him and it's nice it, it the weird play though is in the second issue where I I kind of wanted or thought we'd get more of like all right let's get daredevil stuff let's iron out what's going to be going on with Electra and him let's see if foggy knows he's come back let's go with it's kind of like you said like a pause a little bit of a slower burn where he goes but it's nice that he talks to this kid and he's pretty good about it hey listen yeah. you know the these kids that's what bullies do and even with the religious part of it, the kid says, well, you know, God's plan, it, it kind of sucks sometimes because the kid's parents are dead. And Matt says, yeah. And the kid says, is it wrong to be mad at God? Is it mad? You know, I'm angry right now and I'm angry at what happened. And Matt kind of says, if it's if it's wrong to be angry at God, then I'm never right. Because, yes, you, you do get angry. And, but that works into the deal. And once you accept everything going on, but it's still just a kid. But then Matt goes and thinks of, hey, all these things happened so far. And it basically in the second issue, all you're going to be able to show is that demon from last issue and the cops here. Like, oh, man, it's been a tough road so far. It's like, all right, we got that. But he's wondering who it was because when the police showed up, they said, oh, this online deal, this online thing. And it is like, what is it called? Reveal all devils. Reveal rad. all devils. Yeah, it's rad, Jim. It's rad, rad like you. It's rad. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> Cowabunga, dude. So you end up like all the kids at the rec center are talking like that. So you end up where he's wondering, okay, who is this rad? Who's this online persona? It's Who's behind it? Yeah. He finds it pretty quick. I mean, he, it, it looks like it's Ben Urich like a burner account type deal for Ben Yurik, who now is running the Daily Bugle. Right. And that is like, well, what's going on with that? Is he a little off coming back? Did something else happen? Is it a same similar situation maybe as Matt has? And it's interesting to think, well, we'll, we'll deal with that and see what's going on. I, again, I just expected something that felt bigger at the beginning of this. But if Selena yeah, Matt is that. trying to like, you know, 
hunker down for a longer run, then it'll all work out. But if this is something that doesn't last too long, you're you might be wasting space right away or, you know. I, I don't think this issue is going to lose anybody, but I don't think it's going to gain any readers either. It's just what it is and kind of just, all right, that was nice enough, but let's go uh, and get something more going with pretty much setting up Matt and Daredevil with everything that went on and, and did lead into this book. But what did you think? One question I've got, Jim, is like, does um, does Ben Urich know, you know that, that Matt is now this priest working at that youth hostel? I don't know how that works because, you know, you must know who he is. Maybe he doesn't know he's Daredevil, I guess. But Yeah, you know. and that's the weird play. It's like the reveal all devils. So you think that that's the kind of tying into Daredevil. Oh, it's like a play on the word, thinking yeah. like the thing, but then you're wondering, does Ben Urich know or is he just against Matt? who was dead and came back and there's no explanation. I mean, there's a story there. You know, famed blind lawyer Matt Murdock comes back from the dead without an explanation. It might be something somebody might want to look into. And it might be something like that, but it's just a weird play because everything coming back from how Chip Zdarsky ended is kind of a mystery. So you want to learn some things and you're adding more to it before. You do. It's something that we get a lot in comics, though, the mystery box The main criticism, isn't it? It's like people saying, he's not exploring this enough, you know, like, how how did Matt get back so quickly, you know? Does he remember what happened? Does he remember going to hell and all that? So I I don't understand that criticism. Yeah, you know, the, the writer's not really touching on it, is he? Yeah, and the weird thing, it, it seems Matt does know. I mean, Matt thinks about things that he did. He's talked to a lecturer. He's done that. But what does everybody else know? And what do they yeah, think? And what sure. is this, you know, Father Matt, how does this work out? Like I said, is it easy enough to figure out, oh, that's Father Matt, that's Matt Murdock, lawyer who died, come back? Because that's not really being touched on at all. When the police come, they don't say, well, you know, we came here because people have been talking that, he kind of came back from the dead and we don't yeah, know what's going on. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. aren't you Matt Murdock lawyer or you this? They don't say anything like that. And it's just odd overall. But it's interesting enough. It's interesting. I think that maybe the play here could have been like, wait six months, wait a year before he comes back like this. And then it might feel like, okay, well, he was in hell for a while. He came back. Let's see what's going on. But this, he was in hell for what would be a hot weekend, it seems. I mean, yeah. they say like six months, but in our time of actually reading, it was a couple of weeks. I mean, it yeah, was sure. crazy. So, with that, what would be your score? For this, um, again, I'm, I'm being quite positive. You know what I'm like? Well, I did enjoy the character work. I enjoyed the art a bit more than I did last time. I think maybe I've got used to the artist now. That, that could be it. Apart from his um, Jeremy Jr. big head yeah, syndrome yeah, big head at times. Ben Urich. Yeah, but I'm going to go for um, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I'm 6'5", so I'm okay. just a little lower than you. I still think it's interesting enough. I'm still intrigued by it. I just It's one of those books where I, I really like the Chip Zdarsky run to a point. I think it went on a little bit too long. I even Indeed, I really like it, Jim. Yeah, and I, I agree. like the Electra stuff more than a lot of other people as well. But when it came back as that renumbered number one, I thought that it lost its kind of seal there. It felt like Chip Zdarsky at that point was just trying to get to the end, where before it was really good, I thought. But this, uh, you know, I kind of want to get into this and continue liking Daredevil, but I'm just not there yet. It hasn't hooked me. Yeah, and I need something, and this isn't the issue that's going to hook you, it seems. So I'm going to no. go 6 5, though, because I'm with you. I do like the art. I do like it in general, but I just need a little bit more. Maybe we'll get it next issue. We will see. Hopefully. But we'll move on to the next issue, which is Ghost Rider number 19. And this is a book that I had been reading, a lot of people were liking, and I kind of fell off it. I, I'll, I'll admit, after that first long arc, I, I was kind of bored. I just kind of like, yeah, I like Talia Warro, but not my favorite character. And I just needed more from the story. Again, it seemed like a story that almost felt like, you know, like a Tales from the Crypt. It's not an anthology, obviously, but it felt like every month I was just like, okay, what monster of the month am I getting? What are we going to get here? And I think it's even gotten a little bit worse since that first big arc. And you end up with Talia Warro and Johnny going and trying to find this cold of Mephisto, which it's everything sounds kind of interesting and it works out. We're in the spooky month of October, but I just, again, I need something to hook me back. And I started reading it again because you and me talked about the annual. So I'm in, 
but it's still like, eh, do I really like this? But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, hopefully you will be able to enlighten me and make me more positive. Ghost, you'll get me ganky uh, is what I do. <laughs> Ghost Rider number 19, written by Benjamin Percy. Pencils by Corey Smith and Brent Peebles. Inks by Oren Jr. and Brent Peebles. Uh, colors by Brian Valencia and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. The one thing that this book kind of gets me is that you end up having things that seem cool, but then you just move away from them really quick. Like you end up starting out here where they need to find this cold of Mephisto. Talia Warroad has this history with them. And really, just as an aside, Ben Percy has used the last bunch of issues to give us more of a look at uh, Talia Warroad's past. Yeah, I've been enjoying that, getting that little look into her past, yeah. Me and Wes at Thinking Critical talked about this this week on okay. his comic book show, and I, me and him both were on the idea of the more I find out about Talia, the less I like about her, just because she has a dark past. But it's okay. But in this, you start out, she does this crossroads ceremony-type pentagram thing where you end up having the, you know, the deal of having the... That Ghost Rider give her this compass. It's a pretty cool idea. I was waiting for Robert Johnson to turn up with his guitar. Really? Starts playing. Next yeah. thing you know, you end up having Ralph Macchio there for the movie. He's oh, playing nice. against him. Yeah, He's so that. good. It was so funny that I'm like, oh man, like Ralph Macchio playing. Oh, it's Ry Cooter playing guitar. I remember when I found out that it wasn't Ralph Macchio playing guitar, it really upset me. I was disappointed too. Yeah. Jim, yeah. yeah. I thought, like, man, he's pretty good. You end up where it gets this tattoo. It's pretty cool. It's like a demonic tattoo compass. This is going to lead us to the next bit of the cult of Mysterio. And so when you you start doing our Mysterio, I mean Mephisto, you start doing this and they go and they end up in West Virginia. And it's pretty much the children of the corn in a mine and things have gone wrong in town. But I'm telling you, when we get to that point, they're riding through town. This town is a wreck. People, people are walking out of doors, dying. It's like Walking Dead, isn't it? You know, an abandoned like utopian city or something crazy. Sorry, not utopian, dystopian. They yeah. barely react. They're just like, 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 like they have blinders on. They're just driving right. And there's it's a horrific scene, isn't there, where some poor old man gets a pick through the back of his head. Like, they, they, that with really surprised me. With gas masks and things like that on, but yet. It seems that, you know, you have Johnny and Talia, they're just riding through. I, there are cars just broken down in the middle of the street. There are things just personal belong, And they just have these, like, guys, they seem to notice even Johnny closes his eyes. And the big play for me here is, and I know that Ghost Rider isn't in the business of we're going to go to town and save everybody and help things, whatever. No, but that's right. They pretty much mm. roll in and out of town. With the idea of we're going to end up stopping this thing. Into, we don't give a rat's behind about anybody here, including these little kids who were possessed, which is an odd play by the end. But again, that's what gives me. And if somebody says, well, that's what they do. that That's the thing. But that's what gives me that play of I never feel like anything has a lot of weight to it because they roll in, roll out, done. It does feel like they're touching on it too briefly, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, a lot you of the scenes in this. Could, Give a little more oomph to it because you are it a trying, little bit. Yeah, you're trying to play some feels here because we do keep going back and seeing Talia's past. At this point, it's her parents called Doctor Strange, and it's nice. Doctor Strange making some house calls. He ends up showing up to check out because Talia's been delving into, you know, the, the dark art. She's been dark doing arts, things. She's the missing occult. all these things. Yeah, so I, I love this play, and there's a couple things in this issue that make me think like. This is why Ben Percy always loses me eventually because he forces issues. He, but and it's not anything like on a soapbox. It's it's actually stuff in the issue. But Doctor Strange comes out of a portal. He has tentacles all around him. Right? He's being he's fighting some Cthulhu demonic monster, and then pops in and says, "Oh my God, I'm sorry, sorry for the mess where there's just these demonic tentacles laying in the ground." It's Doctor Strange who just came out of a portal. And he seems to think that it's weird that the next door neighbors are aghast, like stop and go, oh, my God. He walks in because these neighbors just saw Doctor Strange come out of a portal with tentacles all around him and, and squishing and squashing. And he says, oh, to the neighbors, did they look at Talia like they were looking at me? I'm like, 
really? You, you, you just popped out of a portal with a monster attacking you. If you you saw something like that, we'd do more than stare. We'd be out of there, wouldn't we? We'd be running. I'd See be later. right now purchasing new underwear because I would have cracked <laughs> that piece of my pants. I, I know it. And so just that idea of trying to play that, okay, we get it. Talia didn't fit in. That was clunky, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Ranger in her own house, in her own town, in her own whatever. But yeah. Doctor Strange coming through a portal with tentacles, that's going to make most people at least stop and, and gasp for a second, even if it's just like, oh, shit, Doctor Strange, look. No way. What's he doing here? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. So it's a little odd for him to say that. The next part, though, that I have is just this weird metaphor that just, it again, Ben Percy, I think he's just too heavy handed at times with this book. But you have it. It's OK. Doctor Strange goes up, says, I'm going to check out the stuff. And. It's a cool play because it's teenage Talia Warroad who thinks that, you know, she's cool, that she's doing the dark arts. Probably went to Hot Topics a couple hours ago, got some new clothes. And he's like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're trying to hide this stuff from your pet. You're not going to be able to hide stuff from me. You know, these spells that you're doing are pretty basic for me, but also, you know, pretty impressive, whatever. But I'm here to help you. You don't get much more here except her visage in a mirror that's there yelling, and then it explodes. But it, it's it, a Joker's daughter, I thought, for a minute when I saw that in the mirror. Yeah, it wow. does look like it. And so what you're going with, though, is that idea that she was duped, and the same guy who duped her is now duping everybody. He's on pretty much like a... You know, a road trip himself of trying to just get more people to this cold Mephisto and, and lying and, and manipulating people, which this guy, Stefan, and you ended up seeing it early, like when she kind of realized that this guy wasn't that great, that he's letting people die and she's not into that. It's, it's this weird way. They set her up as, oh, my God, she did these awful things. But then you turn it around. Well, she was kind of being manipulated and whatnot. And that works out well when you get to this town. but. They don't do much. I mean, when they go into the town, like we said, it's in, out, cave in a mine, and then sayonara sucker. I mean, they leave this place just what it is, and you end up where I – here's the thing that made me laugh. This narration says, just like the rider is hidden inside Johnny, there's a lot of coal in these mountains, and it burns hot as hell. I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Seriously, yeah, you're in West Virginia. There's coal mining. We get it, but – yeah, it does kind of burn hot, all right. And they just roll into town. The thing sends them to a, a deal where they find a kid, one of the pickaxe kids with the gas mask. Really crazy horror movie look, right? I mean, that is straight up horror movie, a kid with a pickaxe and a, and a it gas is. mask. I was getting like flashbacks, like you said, to Children of the Corn, but meets the, cra the crazies. You ever see that movie where, you know, it's just like that. Once they get in the mind, I'm thinking Temple of Doom, but I'm Temple a big Doom. You know, Indiana Ooh. Jones fan. But you end up where this kid comes flying out of the woods with a pickaxe. Ah, like, again, a forced way to continue the story. They stop him, and then Talia says, oh, what's going on? Let me use my stare. Oh, my God, it's Stefan. He has been manipulating us. I know how it is. Give me a hug. And then maybe just go back in the woods, kid, because they leave, they leave this kid. Like, this kid's just on the side of the road. What is he going to do now? So, but you get this next deal of, okay, where do we go next? We go to the mine. They go into the mine where earlier the guy who got pickaxe dead, they're bringing him in there and they're going to throw him into the pit from hell. The whole thing with Mephisto. And pretty much, I, I do also uh, love where Ghost Rider just rides the, the motorcycle right into the mine because it's easily accessible. But still, it's a visual for that. But the whole play then, you get to this mine, the big deal, right? It's like two ish, two two pages. You're gone. Like they go in and say, "All right, kids, we're bringing the mine down." What? You're not going to bring it down? Yes, we are. It cave in, kids running. The end. I'm like, what just happened? Like, what are we getting here? It reminded me, Jim, of the blade issue that we covered. You know, last week. It was like it was so much was happening. It was like really rushed, didn't it? It felt really rushed. This. It seems as if this book has been cancelled. And so I get it. You want to end the story. So you read, but seriously, this is like when you get done, it's one of those issues. After I read, I'm like, what really did happen here? They, they drove into a town. They saw a bunch of children of the corn gone even worse. They went to a mine, caved it in and left. I just imagine these kids are just sitting there, you know, 
in town, sitting on the curb going, what the hell do we do next? Like, what are we doing now? And even the idea where they talk to the kid, and because it's so quick, so forced, even the narration of what, you know, what they say the kid said, oh, that kid told us that there was economic troubles in town. It just didn't feel like something you'd get from a kid either. No, It's just information thrown at you. Again, I could sit there and it's kind of silly for me to say, well, you're presenting a problem, but you're not fit. This is all about them trying to stop the Stefan and the cult of Mephisto. So they're not going to be there like, all right, we'll get some jobs going in this town or whatnot. But I, I don't know why I need something where I think they just didn't leave these kids sitting there crying on the side of the road. But man, maybe they did. I don't know. But it just ends to end this whole deal and they get out and off they go. And they're just going to keep it's a road trip they're going to keep going but it's it's just too quick it's too forced so what, what did you think yeah that's it like you say um i had to read this a couple of times to try and try and make sense of it because i was a little bit lost at one point as i say because i think that he was trying to cram too much into the story well yeah i'll ask think- you as an aside i didn't bring it up in that that you said that did you because you have a thing when you jump to the past with stefan and talia it does save the past but sometimes you're reading or whatever I actually thought that was Johnny and Talia at first. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, oh, I I'll wait. I that stuff because, because they're on motorcycles. You end up having like the art. And I think the art at points is great. I think the art is really good at points. But sometimes it gets a little bit like, all right, I can't really see that that's not Johnny. That's this other guy. That's this, that. So that's true. But mainly the art is really good and why my score will be as high as it is. But I just wanted to jump in because I was going to bring that up at a point. I was a bit confused with some of the transitions as well. Me too. It only took me a realizing finally that the younger version of Tally with the green Joker style hair, that was the main difference because Johnny looks almost the same as Stefan, doesn't he? Yeah, it's yeah. Weird. It's just, yeah, and it's yeah. weird just you jump to that and they're on motorcycles. So you're like, yeah, they're both on motor. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I mean, it's it spelled out here that it's in the past, but at first it just threw me off for a second there. But, and that's where somebody dies and that Stefan even lies, says, oh, that guy was going to die of a coronary next week. Really? Not really, but hey, maybe. Sounds good. Yeah, it's yeah, a weird yeah. play. It's just a weird play. Dodgy. Very so, Stefan. But yeah, as a score, I don't know. Um, I think my score's actually gone down. I was thinking I was going to go for a six, but I'm a 5.5. Yeah, I think that, here's the funny play. I think I'm a little more positive on that. I'm a six. I'm still, I went in oh. thinking six. I'm still there. I will mention, too, that the covers of this series are really, really good. I really like that Bjorn Berens covers. Uh, Pretty, pretty cool. And and like I said, the art, very horrific. It has that feel. I just think at this point, maybe this would have been best served as a mini or a maxi series, tell a tight story, and then maybe, you know, start again at some point yeah. or whatnot. But I think it's gone on too far. I was like, YouTube, like I, I dropped out and I got back into it because of that recent uh, Weapons of Vengeance, the crossover yeah, yeah, with Wolverine. Yeah. That was good. Yep. So, and then we did the annual, but. Yeah, just kind of disappointed again. It's a shame. Maybe because he's, he's wrapping it up. He's rushing it yeah, to the finish. It seems a little rushed. So I'm going to go six year, five, five. Uh, kind of, you know, we're, we're somewhat positive about these books. It's, it, they weren't the greatest, but they, no. at least here we see it seems to be coming to an end. Daredevil still has plenty of time. It could go either way. It's just getting started. So isn't it's it? just yeah. getting started. But I enjoyed I just, that a lot more. Like I said, I think that a lot of people who did like the Chip Zdarsky run, or even people jumping into this new run with Selena Met, I think they, you know, you need something to hook them, you know, in to say, oh my God, I have to read this next month and I haven't gotten it yet. And and Ben Urich, as this online burner troll account, you know, reveal all devils, that's not doing it for me yet. That's not the big to do that I was thinking would happen at this point. But still, I'm there for the long run, and we'll be talking about both of these books, me and you, till whenever, whenever they're done or whatnot, because they're no bigger books. So thanks for joining me. Uh, Once again, we do a bunch of things that I enjoy, and one of the things, check the show notes and check out Gray's YouTube channel, The Wakasashi's Tea House, where me and him do a Grant Morrison podcast slash video each and every week where we go through some older Grant Morrison things, stuff that ended up letting me have fuel to fight trolls online today, which I'll tell you when we're done here. Oh, awesome. With, with all of that, thanks, Gray. We're going to move thanks on million, to Jim. the next books. And I am here with my man, Jason. What up, Jason? Hello, Jim. How the heck are you today? Ah, lovely. We're going to be solving mysteries here with Avengers, Inc., a weird book. 
<laughs> very odd. Uh, it is, yeah. It, the premise, the first issue uh, was had some interesting ideas in it, and I think we're starting to see what this book is going to be like, and maybe I like the first issue better. Who is it for? I, I just don't get it. It's weird. And even I'm saying overall for a set of people, but then this individual issue... I don't know if anybody's an espionage elite fan out there. They might really get this to tickle their fancy, but I'm telling you, it's so ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. It's written by Al Ewing, art by Leonard Kirk, colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by VCs Corey Petit. And, yeah, you end up having Wasp, Janet Van Dyne, and she is starting this crazy detective agency with fiction. It's the craziest setup. I mean, even the idea of me saying, listen to this, the Wasp old nemesis whirlwind he died, but then the old spirit of Victor Shade kind of inhabited him. But now they're solving mysteries. I'm like, it, it isn't even a great idea to get people involved. It's interesting. It's, it's weird, a weird idea right? because Vic, Victor Shade, of course, is uh, the the, uh, the the. I just realized I'm getting confused with the question. What is the question's name? Vic uh, Vic Sage. Sage. Oh, I'm getting my sages and, and shades. I'm like, this is Victor. I'm going to say it wrong at least half the time in this podcast. So get get the ding sound ready. Yeah, because this Victor Shade used to be a name used by the Vision when he was trying to be a real boy. So imagine that the idea of a villain who's one of the Wasp's big nemesis, big villain. He dies. He's now inhabited by what then becomes the persona, but not really of the original Vision's persona. Some other villains died too. And then they came back to life. They all had these kind of diamond-shaped holes in their forehead, very visiony. They came back to life, and the others were all like, well, that was weird. We're alive now. Why are we in the morgue? But this one guy is like, I'm Victor Shade now. And no one seems to ask him, wait, what exactly do you remember? Do you remember like being a, a, a child named Victor Shade? Do you, what do you, no one has like questioned him on his whole deal. They said, okay, I guess you're, you're going to hang around with me now, Victor, and you're well, you're still a bad guy, so you've got like a, a thing on your leg that means you can't get too far away from, from the Wasp, and we're going to solve mysteries while we wait to figure out what the hell's up with your big mystery. And that's like the overarching mystery of this allegedly ongoing series, which is not going to go more than 12 issues. But I, Yeah, me and you both thought it was a mini. I had to Google to figure out how I was going to say, like, how many issues is this? Because we try to figure out where are we in the overall story? Is it four issues and we're halfway? Is it a 12-issue maxi? We're just getting started? But when I looked it up, Marvel.com says, no, this is an ongoing. And it's coming out of two miniseries by Al Ewing, the Ant-Man and then the Wasp specifically there. And even so, this overall deal, they even say in the recap at the end, unbeknownst to the Wasp, her ex-husband, Henry Pym, working with the Black Cat as a hand in these sterling events, right. which we that saw the, a bit in the, the first issue. In the first issue was, oh... Uh, Henry Pym was part of this; these bad guys getting the thing in their head, but then he changed his mind and tried to undo it. And I don't so know crazy. if he knows that this guy is still running around with another personality in him. I'm not quite sure. Because we don't see Hank Pym this issue. That's what I was waiting for, was, oh, let's get some more information about what Hank Pym's up to, because him just being alive is a big reveal. As far as we knew, he was dead. So that's what everyone who's actually into this book wants to know and that's what al ewing is not interested in telling. and it's weird because when you get and you start this whole issue out and you end up having avengers mansion that's been converted into a bed and break like i keep thinking that yeah, this it's, big, a, it's a theme hotel like that star wars one that lost disney all those all those millions yeah, of dollars no yeah i heard that was a bit of a bomb uh but even then you end up having this guy and it's like roger phillips you must die and it looks like the grim reaper coming it's to a shinigami jim it is and i'm like Oh we my were God. just and talking so, Death Note, and this is another book all about a Shinigami. And so I see this, and you just have to think that, oh my God, this must be something Hank Pym's going. Like, why is he, like, is he mad because he wants to take back Avengers? Man, but it's nothing of and that. It, it doesn't really deal with that. It makes me think of the Tom King vision book, because in that, it was, I forget what the name of the actual bad guy was, but it's somebody who looks like the Grim Reaper. I think it was actually called the Grim Reaper, now that I think about it, you know. And uh, Vision's wife killed that guy. And that was like the inciting incident of the whole 
maxi series. Yeah. So when you're doing again, when you're going through this, you think that this setup, like, oh my God, like you're thinking of the big picture. You're thinking of, right. okay, well, we saw Hank at that there, this with Black Ant, whatever, but what is he doing? Why is this? But by the end of this issue, you're pretty much told, no, no, this is just a Scooby-Doo adventure that we had here and we're moving on. I'm like, all right, that, that's very odd, but okay, you do get the vision involved because this guy gets killed and then you end up yeah, where- we, we, we know this guy is up to no good, right? He's got some, he's, he's working with a team, they're trying to do something that's not so great. And before he can do that, this Shinigami calls him Roger Phillips. And at this point, I should have stopped and Googled, but I, I didn't. I pressed on. And you must die, and then he kills him. I'll tell you, that's the the crazy thing. I'm reading this, and you end up having Roger say, what, what, I can't say it out loud? You built this phone, Herder. You built all the phones. That's the biggest part of evidence. Mm. Like, really, that's the big clue. I looked up Herder, saw it was the tech guy in the espionage elite, but never thought anything of it. I'm telling you, either I'm a dummy or I'm just like, Okay, they're after. I still thought it was something that was going to tie back to Hank Pym that he's going after the espionage elite because they're at the old, you know, mansion. But it didn't come out that way. I, I, I'm telling you, I thought it was such a bigger thing that I didn't look into crap. But you end up where you do have. I mean, Vic Shady's there having some bed and breakfast tea with Wasp, and you have this Jimmy Olsen-looking guy who's running the whole. Yeah, he's like Jimmy Olsen crossed with Arcade. Yeah, that's what he looks like. He does look a little, the arcade hair, definitely, like there. Yeah, and even sure. the, the the whole play the with Jimmy the freckles. Too, the like, yeah, so you have that combo, and he says, hey, everybody, I know that you're here to have some fun or whatnot. The elevators, they're broken. We can't use them. And then people are like, well, what about our valuables? What's going on? What's Oh, well, we'll figure this out. We'll go and do this. And then you just end up the elevator. First off, Vision shows up, and he starts just yelling at, Big shade. That why do you have my well, name? My, uh, my name. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And and but again, no one asks this new guy like what what actually is your deal? Lay it out in front of us. Tell us your story. What's the deal? And so they're playing the idea like again, like everybody keeps saying to Janet, "I think this guy's duping you. It must be a trick." She kind of knows it as well, but she's playing along to see how this works out. And then Vision comes. He does end up. Kind of going mind probing a bit of that, but doesn't. And then all of a sudden they open up the elevator and this Roger falls out. He's dead. And everybody's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So everybody's freaking out at this point. And then Jimmy Olsen Arcade. <laughs> the super big clue is that there's one guy who doesn't freak out. It's an old guy looking at his phone. I figured he's just having a flame war on Twitter, probably with you. But it turns out that was the big clue. Oh, he wasn't surprised at the dead guy because he knew there was going to be a dead guy. Because he's the killer. And I see him there. I thought it was not, Fox from the, the Black Cat book. Ever. No, it wasn't a like great him. twist. He looks just like him. And he's like, okay. And while that's going on, Jimmy Olsen Arcade, he freaks out. He starts running. And that's where then we get another Grim Reaper come in and say, Farley, London. The, the weird play of this that I don't think it works out very well is that we don't really know these guys. <laughs> Even him in this persona of, hey, I'm going to take around. Janet recognizes the name. Which then allows her to realize after he gets killed, because something is going on yeah, where this thing can phase and get hard. Detective deduction is that she knows their names. Yeah, she read the wiki more than I did, so that's how she's the, the great detective. And so they're they're trying to figure out like it points for a second that this could be a vision thing, because you end up these people are dying because somebody's phasing and then hardening up to end up, you know, blowing their heart out and thinks, yeah, really it's sexy. But even then it's like Things happen, and that's the problem I have with this issue, is that things happen and are solved before I even know that they happen. <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm so far behind when they get to the point of, oh, I heard that name. That's, a, that's you know, number five. That's number three. I'm like, eh, I need a number two. But you, you end up where all this going down, they're yelling, oh, my God, pull off his face like it's Mission Impossible. By then, I think both yeah, of us has looked up things, right? We started yeah. looking up things, right? And Janet starts to talk about doing CPR, but then that whole idea is dropped. So I don't know if this guy actually dies or not. I can't and tell. And that's, that's the weird play is they say that Roger Phillips, who comes out of the elevator, he's been dead too long. The vision kind of goes with he's the been deal dead like and he's an there. Yeah, he's been dead. And there's no, and they say like weird play of there's no reason to try to resuscitate. He's been dead an hour. This guy, Janet, does say start compressing and then just ditches it. And then me and you both look this up. So when I end up, I'm looking, okay, this is, 
And then immediately the next page, the two other characters that I just read mm-hmm. on this wiki, they just so, show up in this. I'm like, what is going just, on Just here? to bring everyone in on this, the espionage elite, are, they're, they're run by the boss's spy master. And they were created in 1971. They've been in eight total books ever. And like half of those are just flashbacks. This is a deep dive, they were, right? They were in a three-issue arc in Iron Man. In Iron Man 33 through 35, and then like a couple of cameos and then flashbacks. Last time they appeared in anything was in the year 2000, which is now 23 years ago, Jim. Got to break it to you. (laughs) In a flashback in something called Iron Man Bad Blood, which is not a Rob Liefeld book, which you'd think it might be. No, it sounds like it would be. It really David Michelini in a flashback. So like not even in in the real present there, only in a flashback. And since then, has not been seen on, on panel. So when when we do these reviews and you end up and you know we know we're going to talk about it and I I do the thing you you're doing your due diligence you look up things and you're expecting at one point like not that you're me or you are clever for looking up a Wikipedia entry of this but sure. in the way you try to go that next step of okay where's the connection where's, where's the, the connection to Janet like I'm looking that's all I'm doing the whole time I'm looking for that one story that they did something with either Hank Janet Vision anybody and it's not there <laughs> I'm like. What is happening? Then so I read- why did Al Ewing pick this team? We know Al Ewing knows his Marvel history. I mean, over in the, the Weird Dose of X, which I'm sure everyone out there is all listening to, this, this last week, I gave an Al Ewing book a 9 out of 10, X-Men Red. It was really good. And it, it features some older characters like the Prince of Power and like Blackjack O'Hare, but in, a, in an okay kind of way, where this is just, this seems like he went to the Marvel wiki, hit the randomizer button and said, okay- and There's that's I'm villains. glad you you set up exactly what I was going to say because I do think that Al Ewing knows a lot. I do think that he likes to tie these things in. But when I looked up the wiki and I see you know Sam here, it says Sam X a strongman circus. It says exactly what they end up saying in this issue. Like it doesn't go any further. <laughs> yeah, so, it does and, look like it. he copy pasted right. You know from what the I wiki. mean? Yeah, it does. <laughs> when you're reading it, and then you go back because I see, oh Sam, and, and then right away I'm like, oh that has to be you know Mara, and it is, and she's from Red Room. It's just everything is so, so, but it's so weird. You're playing up a mystery for characters that were barely in any sort of issues, and they were twenty some years ago. Who is playing along with this? It's such a weird play. And I don't know why or how we get it, because by this point, Janet ends up being the detective in the room that is pretty much Mm -hmm. just going to end up saying, aha, I got it. This eureka moment, because one of the plays, like you said, is we find out that the guy who really is the bad guy, Gottfried Herder, number four. He was on his phone and he, I even, it's a weird play. Even when I say, I'm like, Gottfried Herder, number four on phone. That That's the whole play <laughs> deal. Cause he was, he wasn't surprised. So they grab him and then he just pretty much Scooby-Doo's. Oh, you got me. You meddling kids. It's, because- it's the dog that didn't bark. That's the, that's the, the clue. One clue. And yeah, so it turns out that he wanted to keep all, he was, it's a stupid plan. They were going to break in, go, go on the tour. And and because one of their own was playing the tour guide, he could let some people sneak away and not be noticed. I mean, other people would have noticed. And it's Avengers Mansion. You'd think they'd have some cameras. You would think. But they don't. So this this electronics guy and the gymnast sneak through and get into the computer room. And they they kind of do the steal the half sense thing. That's but what they're going to divert all the money. It's office space. It's 100%. That's they're going to divert they, the money. They divert that's it all. <laughs> By accident, uh, just yeah, just like Office Space, but they did it on purpose. They're going to divert the money into, into his own account, like by name, which again, you're, you're going to get caught, sir. And it's supposed to be shared between them, but he doesn't want to share it because he thinks he's the smart guy. He doesn't want to share it with like a, a gymnast and a, an acrobat, like screw you guys. I'm keeping it all. So while he's in the computers, he reprograms the training program, basically the danger room, right? But, so this it's a hard light hologram danger room. He reprograms to go and kill his teammates, but his mistake was telling this hologram Shinigami their real names so it says the real names out loud and Janet hears them. That's it. He, instead of taking the half cent off the deal, he takes it all. Ridiculous. And he sends it to his own account. (laughs) Ridiculous. Like, if they didn't catch them now, they they were certainly going to catch them in In a little book. (laughs) I mean, the idea where all of a sudden 
the, the electric's out because it's, you know, the, the money's not going. That's all this money was. I thought it was going to be one of those where it was sent all around like, oh, the Avengers, they're nice. So they have seven million different charities. So you could maybe, hey, we'll grab it from this. We'll grab it from that. Nobody will know. But the idea this guy's like so over the top. And he's just mad because he wanted the money and he doesn't think a yeah, circus it's strong the man. It's reverse of what happened with the Stromwinds in Daredevil. And there, they, they took the money from this, the rich people and gave it to charity. And here it's the opposite. That's it. Yeah. And then he made this thing. Like, where is the alarms going when this guy ends up using the danger room of the event? Like, it's so ridiculous. And then he's just like, you got me. And then the big play was Vic Shade, you know, whirlwind Vic Shade. He went a little bit away from Janet, so his ankle bracelet activated. So the authorities are right there, but they're there to take in now the bad guys. But Janet already has a phone. She could have just called the cop. She's an Avenger. She's got some little thing to push in her earring that call, I don't know. Yeah, and they show up, and then she has to apologize to Luke. Luke's like, well, you got to do this. She's like, it won't happen again. We, we I, do get a little bit of actually semi-interesting information about the big picture, right? Because the big picture is we don't care about the espionage elite. We want to know what the hell is up with this guy who thinks he's Vic, Vic Shade. Shade. I think I said Sage earlier as well. It's going to be Vic Shade. Yeah, well, fix because the that end, is the fine. play. Yeah, so what happens is Vision gives him a scan, and the only thing he finds is something under, in in your forehead, there's a bit there that I can't, I can't see through. It's the Superman, the part of the city that has the lead line, they can't see through, that thing again. But he says, yeah, the only person who could have done something like that, who would know my scanning abilities so well, would be Hank Pym. But it can't be him, because he's dead. And then he loses all interest, he doesn't follow up, he just says, oh well, I wonder what that's about. Off I go. Yeah. So he says, he says, Henry Pym has been dead for years. We had a lot of mysteries to solve yet. And then it flies away. Like, where are you going? And then we get meanwhile. And now, now we're going to go to Asgard to figure out, you know, this a crazy deal. That's here. the and next I'm like, mystery. Yeah. I'm like, what's that? Like, is this it all is this funny is? seeing a chalk outline with a battle axe through it. Cause I, I can't imagine really in Asgard, they do the chalk outline thing. It's so weird. And yeah, they choose. We'll have to see. It might be, maybe this will be after a couple issues. We'll just have fun with it. Like, okay. But now, cause after that first issue, I expected something a lot bigger, a lot more meaningful. And that wasn't this. And it was weird, but I still wonder who this is for. I wonder who is going to be buying this. It's weird. The next victim is going to be Scourge, an executioner from As from from Asgard, who apparently was already dead. He was already dead. That's the big play. That's the best thing. Is how do you find who killed a god who was already dead? That's kind of interesting. Jane Foster is going to get a hold of Osvid. Says yeah, Broomhilda. Like all these things here might be fun, and maybe this is one of those books that Al Ewing's going to have some fun. Little little tour of the Marvel universe. You can go anywhere with this with this topic. When me and you both were looking up to see if it was an ongoing or many, I read multiple articles that really stressed there's going to be a ton of guest stars. It, it ended up Al Ewing. That's what he's promising in this. There's going to be guest star after guest star after guest star. That's the, what it the seems first to issue be. was to set everything up. But from now on, every issue is going to be one self-contained mystery. I'm pretty sure it'll be one issue, one and done's, and maybe we get a little crumb of what the heck is up with Victor. Shade. Shade. We're going to have to remember that. What would you give this? Uh, well, we haven't talked about the art, and there's not a lot to say about the art. It's okay. It's, it's fine. I mean, we're looking at the preview copies, so maybe it looks better in the, uh, the, the, the finished version. But there's nothing. It's not like some of the other books, like uh, even like the Wasp book or that Ant-Man book. It was like really detailed and like unusual, a different spin on the way things look. This is just, you know completely fine straightforward marvel art so it, it does it does the job and the story is just kind of dumb so <laughs> i think i gotta go 5.8 out of 10 it's not I'm a, a good six book. i'm I was a six. At six i talked yeah. myself down but thank you for joining me jason i hope people i mean it's something to at least check out if you have some extra i don't even know who this is for but we'll see but and that is it for the show thanks everybody for joining me thank you all for listening and once again, if you want to listen to even more of this week's books, we ended up talking about Spine Tingling, Spider-Man number one, and also Crypt the Shadows number one. 
on our Patreon-only spotlight. Two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew are on. This is its kind of return this week. So each week going forward, we'll talk about a bunch of books that come out that week, two which will only be on the Patreon. And again, go over to patreon.com slash weird science to listen to that, plus a lot more. One of the big Marvel things that we'll be talking about in the next couple of days, me and my man Matt will actually be talking about the Jonathan Hickman Secret Wars from 2015 on our Crisis Power Hour show, a podcast that we end up talking about a bunch of big events and crisis and things like that that have happened in the past in comics, as well as a bunch of other reading clubs and reviews and shows and all that. Plus, you can even get this show early access each and every week. So that is all of the commercial. Here are the books that we'll be talking about, though, next week. we got Predator versus Wolverine, number two of four. That is, I have to talk to my man, Brandon, see if he is going to return to talk with me about that. We have the beginning of a new Captain Marvel series, Captain Marvel number one. I believe that's Alyssa Wong, Captain America, number two. And it seems like a while since that number one came out. It probably is the right amount of time, but it feels like that might have been delayed a slightly. Uncanny Spider-Man, number 205. I'll be joined by my man Jason again for that. Immortal Thor, number three. I'm enjoying Immortal Thor. Amazing Spider-Man, number 36. And possibly, maybe, I, I've been wanting to do some of the facsimile edition books that have been coming out. I think those are pretty cool. Gives you a little old school flavor and we may end up doing, but even if we don't, just to let everybody know what you think, X-Men number 129 comes out facsimile, but a bunch of books, two of those will be Patreon only spotlight. Again, check out the show notes for everything, including links to Gray and his Wakasashi's Tea House channel. And then there you go. That's it. That's the show. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed. I'm going to end up. I do apologize. I'm pretty sure that some of the audio will sound different because we're doing that whole, you know, guest host with different books and things like that. I hope it's not too jarring or crazy, but I'm working on that as well as once we start doing this more and more and more and have all the people, I kind of get the idea. Okay, this person needs to get edited that way. This person needs to get edited that way. Somebody like Brandon completely edit that guy. That guy is sus and deserves to be canceled. But overall, again, thanks, everybody, and I will talk to you later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.